You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nikaruk, episode 69. Hello, Teacher Brain. So this episode is about to get mega meta because every week for the past six weeks or so, I've been telling myself that I should be recording a new podcast episode, that I should have done it yesterday, last week, two weeks ago, with every passing day. But then when I go to write one, that I should be spending time with my family, and on and on it goes, and here we are, once again, six weeks later, haven't taken action, until now. Does should-itis sound familiar to you? This is what it might sound like. I should exercise more. I should be more productive. I should spend more time with my kids. I should spend more time outside. I should go to bed earlier. I shouldn't drink so much. I should eat better. I shouldn't eat so much sugar. I should be happy. I should be more grateful. I shouldn't be so greedy. It shouldn't take me this long. I should do better. I should know better. I should be better. Whatever the should or shouldn'ts are on your list, they always seem to add up to the same thing. You should be better. You should know better. You're not doing it right. And it leaves you feeling like you're not enough as you are. Shoulding all over ourselves actually strengthens our belief that left to our own devices, we cannot be trusted. And that's really the crux of it. We've been taught mistakenly that if we don't should ourselves into action, we will become lazy, useless, worthless lumps, and worse, if we don't should ourselves into being good, we won't be good. But what does should even mean? So according to the dictionary, should is used to indicate obligation, duty, or correctness. But what does that mean? If I say, what movie should we go see tonight, or what should we have for dinner, which function is should serving in that sentence? Obligation? Duty? Correctness? Obligation to whom? Duty? No. Correctness? What is the correct movie to see, or the correct thing to make for dinner? Should doesn't actually have a definition when it's used without context. Technically, the word should is intended to indicate a specific obligation or appropriateness, not some like universal blanket truth. And yet we rarely provide any context when we use it and it ends up serving this like universal blanket of truth. So like, I should call my mom, I should fold the laundry, I should be getting ready for bed. Again, obligation, duty, correctness, to whom? We even should all over our feelings and those of other people, which makes absolutely no sense because feelings aren't logical or planned out in advance or reasonable. So I should not feel angry about this it's not a big deal. She should feel grateful. At least it wasn't worse. He shouldn't be stressed. It's not that hard. Doesn't even make sense because feelings just are kind of spontaneous things that come up. So we can't logic our way out of them. There's no obligation or duty 
or correctness there. So psychologist Clayton Barbeau came up with this term shooting yourself, which essentially is telling yourself that you have an obligation to do something different from what you are doing or feeling or being. It basically means putting pressure on yourself to do or feel or be something based on what you think you're supposed to do or feel or be. And the irony is that we think by shooting all over ourselves, we'll get ourselves into action, but the opposite often happens. We end up feeling worse about ourselves and not doing any of the things we think we should be doing. So for example, maybe one of the things on your should list is eating more healthily. That means you've essentially labeled certain foods as healthy or good and unhealthy or bad. So when you do this type of labeling, be it with food or anything really, you're more apt to have a shoulding response. So for example, chocolate cake is bad. I shouldn't eat that piece of chocolate cake. And when we eat the cake, then we feel guilty. And research has shown that the guilt we feel as a result of labeling coupled with the shoulding results in the perception of moral failure. So We feel that we are bad because we ate something that was labeled as bad, something that we shouldn't have eaten in our minds. Research also suggests that these guilty feelings often result in lower self-esteem and self-control and may ultimately lead to overindulging in the moment or soon after. So when you think I should be eating more healthily, and then you have that chocolate cake, that piece of chocolate cake, and then you feel guilty and ashamed and you have labeled yourself as bad and you experience that perception of moral failure, then you're more likely to actually have another piece of chocolate cake and just compound that guilt. And feeling guilty and overwhelmed breeds inaction and stagnancy. It keeps you stuck. So the more you feel like you should do something, the less likely you are to actually do it. So we use the word should so frequently that it takes the place of a more accurate and powerful phrases like I want, I can, and I will. In fact, because so much of our behavior is driven by shoulds, we're actually losing our ability to distinguish what we even really want It's been drilled into us our whole lives what we should want. We're told what we should want by parents, by peers, by school, by media, by society, that we no longer know what we actually want and often confuse the two. In our program, uh, Becoming Lights On, Julia and I asked what we thought was like a simple enough question to our group, like make a list of 10 things you want. And as always, to notice what sort of thoughts and feelings come up when when they thought about these things. So we had posed this question to the women inside and we asked them to notice what comes up as they make their list. When I started teaching grade one, I was coming from teaching mostly adults. And I remember one day about a month into the school year, handing out a duotang to each of my students and a page with a poem on it. And three hole punched page with with a poem on it. And I instructed them, these poor little six-year-olds, to secure their poem into the duotang. Well, (laughs) 
<laughs> wasn't as easy as it sounds, right? Putting a page into a duotang, as it turns out, is a 45-minute step-by-step lesson for six-year-olds. There were frustrations, some tears, some, how did you manage that? I don't even know what's going on with this. Some ripped papers, some lost papers, and lots of, I can't do it. Well, it was much the same with our group trying to even define what they wanted, like what they truly in their heart of hearts wanted. They were shoulding and shouldn'ting all over themselves. In fact, the shoulds and shouldn'ts started flying as soon as the word want escaped the lips of these wonderful and gorgeous ladies. We have so many stories about wanting things that we shouldn't or we should, especially wanting things for ourselves, that we have lost touch with our own wanting. And we get into trouble shooting ourselves when it takes the form of these like automatic thoughts like this. And the should comes to us in as some like abstract obligation where if we don't want or do what we should want or do, we are wrong and feel guilty and ashamed. Or if we do want or do what we shouldn't want or do, we are also wrong and feel guilty and ashamed, like we've failed morally. A guilt is an unpleasant feeling, and shame feels even worse. So, so what's the difference between guilt and shame? So guilt is usually a result of thinking that we've done something wrong, and shame is usually attached to the thought that we are wrong. So guilt is about what we're doing, and shame is about who we are. So we don't like that. (laughs) We try to avoid it. And this like vague, undefined sense of guilt that comes with automatic should thoughts is especially unpleasant. The most frequent end result of shoulding ourselves is procrastination, which is an episode I'm putting off for another day. Wink, wink. (laughs) If whenever you think about making Uh, essays or writing report cards, you find should thoughts rushing in, making you feel guilty and depressed, you will tend to mentally change the subject and redirect your attention to something that isn't so unpleasant, like scrolling Instagram, binging your favorite Netflix affliction, uh, even doing laundry or cleaning the baseboards, right? The more you should yourself about those report cards, the harder it becomes to actually spend any time writing them. You never feel like it. Also, as a result of this shoulding, we have lost a sense of intimacy with ourselves and have become almost completely detached from our intuition to the point where we know who we are supposed to be, but barely have any idea anymore of who we really are or who we really want to be. Now, I'm not suggesting that we stop being responsible adults. I'm not saying that there are never in life times when shoulding isn't necessary or appropriate. Obviously, we do have obligations. There are reasons why we should do things and and not others. Like what one should and shouldn't do is entirely based on the specific context of who they want to be, what they want and what the circumstances are. So you should get to work on time if you want to keep your job. 
you shouldn't wear a bikini to a funeral if you want to fit in with what is generally considered social appropriateness, right? But should you stay at a job or position that you hate out of the guilt that you think they need you, even though you have a better opportunity somewhere else? Maybe not. So should statements with reasons or that include what the consequences of doing the particular task would be or that weigh the costs and benefits of doing something, these are not automatic thoughts. They are rational conclusions. And when you can provide a reason, the should becomes irrelevant, right? Like I should be doing my homework is an automatic thought. But if I don't do my homework tonight, I'll have twice as much homework to do tomorrow, so therefore I should do it now, is merely a factual statement that reports the consequences of a given action, and you don't even need should in that statement. So the difference between mere shoulds and real responsibilities is sometimes easy to discern and sometimes not so easy. It's something we get better at as we practice and mature and as we learn to become more attuned and responsive to our intuition, our inner truth, our inner compass, as it were. When we do something because we should and we mindfully acknowledge the should about it, then we can offer ourselves compassion in the doing. So we can take good care of ourselves and honor the wisdom and strength of our discernment to choose to do something even when we simultaneously do not want to do it. The choice is made consciously, mindfully, which in and of itself feels both loving and empowering and aligned with our true self or our intuition. Even hard choices when made consciously with awareness are nourishing and satisfying, which is not the case when we are blindly obeying yet another should. And it's easy to see how we learned this particular cognitive distortion. So as children, the authority figures in our lives sometimes imposed obligations on us that we would not have chosen for ourselves, right? Like household chores, expectations of behavior. And then we went to school and there was a whole new set of things that we should do. Not because we wanted to, but because someone else said we should. And now that we are adults, and we are free to choose what we do and what we don't do. There's no other grown up here to impose these things upon us. We do it to ourselves. <laughs> so, and the trouble is that it doesn't work, right? Shooting ourselves still makes us not want to do the task in question. A should just leads to guilt. A choice leads to action. So the idea of choice moves you closer actually to doing something. And one way to break hold of the should automatic thoughts is to substitute the word choose for the word should. So if you find yourself squirming with the automatic thought, I should start writing my report cards, change it to, I choose to start writing my report cards. I love, you know, if you've been listening to this for any, this podcast for any amount of time, you know how much I love playing with words and language and how that can change everything. And, and so I love this. I love playing around with changing up the word should for, for different words. Choose is a great one. You're a grown adult now. 
And it makes very little sense for you to say, I should do this, but I choose not to. Such a statement reveals the should for the illogical and confusing term that it is. If you don't choose to do it, you don't really believe you should do it. It's, it's helpful to think about the consequences of an action, right? The costs versus the benefits before committing yourself to a choice. So what you choose to do and then do can and often will, to some degree at least, impact the world or at least your world. What you should do just makes you feel guilty and miserable. So what should we do about all this shoulding? <laughs> so firstly, as with everything, awareness is, a, is vital and integral to personal transformation and self-development and becoming the boss of your brain and conscious creator of your life. So start paying attention to how often you are shooting yourself throughout the day. Ask yourself throughout the day, do I really want to do or not do this thing? Or is it society's norm that is telling me what to do? Am I doing this because I want to or because I think I should? If it's because you should, then get curious about it. Ask yourself, why do I believe I should? Who says I should? What do I fear will happen if I don't? And once you discover the origin of your shoulds in your life, you can then decide which ones make sense for you. So remember, your decisions and your choices are yours to make. You get to live your life the way you want to live it and not the way someone else thinks you should. So notice if recognizing your choice as a should changes the choice itself or the way it feels to carry it out. So even if your actions remain unchanged, simply identifying your choice as a should or a want is meaningful and it will help you know your true motivations and intentions and thus help you know yourself. You'll get back in touch with your intuition. And then secondly, get clear, specific, make a detailed action plan. So often people keep their shoulding general and vague, which makes it even more difficult to take action, right? It's super easy to fail and difficult to know what to do next in order to succeed. So for example, using phrases like, I should do better. I should be nicer. I should be more patient with my kids. Without a plan, that will lead to failure. Because we don't even know what that means. It's so vague. What do you mean do better? What do you mean nicer? What do you mean more patient? What does it look like? So by creating specific action statements, it's much easier to be proactive, create change and avoid the guilt. So ask yourself, what exactly do I want and how will I know if I've succeeded? So creating a clear objective, determine an action step to get closer to your desired outcome and use that to replace your should statements. So instead of saying, I should be more patient with my kids, make a plan. In the biz, this is what we call deciding in advance. And I use this myself all the time. I love this one. I think I've shared it before on the podcast, but probably sporadically throughout, so I can't tell you which episodes specifically it's in. But um, for example, 
I used this with my daughter during the first stretch of lockdown in 2020. They were out of school, but nothing had really been organized yet because it was just kind of at first, it was like the two weeks that was an extended March break. And then that turned into longer and longer and longer. But I was trying to work and she was home. And again, this was before like organized virtual learning really kicked in. And not that that helped much either. She's not conducive to virtual learning environment, but she would be coming into my office when I was trying to work and at least in my mind, interrupt me. So after a few times of responding to her with an irritated, yes, Zoe, what do you want? She started like coming in and apologizing when she came in the room. So she would enter and just be like, I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry for annoying you. I love you. And she looked so sad (laughs) and I felt so bad because I didn't ever, I don't ever want her feeling like she's a nuisance or that I'm unhappy to see her. That's a terrible feeling. So I asked myself how I wanted the interaction to go and I planned it out because my thought was I should be more patient, but until I had planned it out, decided in advance what that was going to look like, I just felt really bad about myself every time and I didn't really change anything. So my thought was I should be more patient. And then I thought, do I want to be more patient? Yes. So that is a should that I chose to follow through with because it felt good and aligned to me. So I wanted to be more patient. So it was a true want. I touched back in with my true inner self. And then I planned out the steps. I made an action plan. So I decided that my response would be to turn and look her in the eye, smile and say, yes, my sweet love, what can I help you with? No, I didn't want her interrupting me. And it was more important to me that she did not feel like a nuisance, that she felt seen and heard and loved. And it was a confusing time for everybody. And so I wanted, I decided the outcome I wanted and I planned out all the steps. And the interesting thing was when I started doing that, the quote unquote interruptions became fewer and farther between. And I think it's because she felt loved and seen and heard and safe. And she didn't feel like she needed to come in as much anymore. So you can do this with the things that you think you should do. That will get you the results that you actually do want. (laughs) So ask yourself, what exactly do I want? And how will I know if I've succeeded? And then determine what the next action step required would be to get you closer to that desired effect. And then use that to replace your should statement. So for example, in order to ensure I am drinking enough water, I will set a reminder on my phone to drink a quarter cup of water every 15 minutes. And then when you start accomplishing that, that makes it a lot easier to take action, to create change, avoid the guilt, and you'll gain momentum and confidence. In other words, (laughs) language is important. There are exactly zero circumstances under which I should is the most specific, accurate, powerful, and useful language to express a thought. So you could literally stop saying the word should forever and you wouldn't be missing a thing. 
there's always a better, more accurate, and more helpful linguistic choice. Don't believe me? Try it. Imagine the word should didn't exist. What would you use instead? Try it for a week or even a day. I bet two things will happen. Number one, you'll notice how much you are shoulding on yourself. And number two, you'll start to feel a difference. And keep track. So record it in a journal. Every time you catch yourself saying, I should, or I shouldn't, or it should, or shouldn't, or he or she, or they should, or shouldn't, catch yourself even like wanting to say it. So when it comes to your brain even, and edit every single example to be more accurate, truthful, powerful by simply replacing it. Now be careful here because you don't want to replace should with like have to or ought to or must because that's cheating. It's basically the same meaning in, in, and intention. And it's just as, in, as disempowering and conflict creating as should. So the language we use matters. I did another episode on, on the words we use and how they impact our thinking and our being and our cells even. So you can check that out. It's episode uh, 47 if you want more details. But either way, start using more accurate and powerful language today. It has an amazing way of elevating your self-awareness as well as signaling both to yourself and everyone around you that you are in charge of your own life. Using different words shifts your inner dialogue, your mindset, and helps relieve unnecessary pressure. So consider replacing the word should with, we already talked about choose. You can use I want or I like the word desire because we often have stories about wanting, like I said before. Often want, when we say I want something, we have this like, oh, you shouldn't want that, that's greedy. So I like the word desire. It feels like a little bit extra, but like permissible <laughs> to my brain. My brain doesn't argue with it as much. So you could play around with that. But you can use things like can, will, choose to, am, etc. I should eat more veggies versus I want to eat more veggies has a different feeling. And then let your should be a red flag. So as you notice it sh- um, and you write it down, when you notice your shoulds, know that should is a judgment that you learned somewhere and then internalized. Rarely do we say I should about stuff that we totally feel aligned with. So let that word be a red flag indicating where you've internalized something that doesn't quite feel right or aligned to you. And then get curious. Where did you learn this should? To whom does the should really belong? Whose voice do you hear when you say that should or when you should on yourself this way? Do you actually agree with this should? What are you afraid will happen if you don't do this thing that you're telling yourself you should do. So for example, maybe you think you should eat more veggies. Where did you get this should? To whom does this should belong? Do you actually agree with this should? And sometimes you will. Yes, I agree. I should eat more veggies. Why? 
because I feel like garbage when I don't. And I feel better when I do because I want a healthy body and brain. And uh, honestly, I kind of like them. So you can keep that one. And maybe you think I should be more outgoing. Says who? Do you even want to be more outgoing? No, doesn't feel right to me. Where does that come from? What are you afraid will happen if you're not outgoing? Will you miss out on things? Will people or yourself judge you? Why does that matter to you? Get really curious with this stuff. And there's so much you can learn by allowing your shoulds to guide you deeper into the nuances of self-awareness. We love nuances around here. (laughs) And finally, check in with your values and priorities. What happens if you feel like you should wake up early to meditate, but you also feel like you should sleep in to catch up on rest? When two or more shoulds conflict, you're condemning yourself to failure one way or another which causes more feelings of guilt and shame, which lead to inaction. Learning to prioritize can help solve that. So how do we do that? Well, once again, language helps. Instead of asking yourself which thing you should do, ask yourself which is more important to you right now and in the long run. Ask yourself which one you would choose to do. Ask yourself which one you want to do. So which outcome aligns better with your highest values? Which one offers you the biggest benefit right now and in the long run? Which one do you want most right now? You can ask all of these questions and get curious. We've been trained to believe in should and fear want, but that it's just conditioning. And and the great news is that because that it is just conditioning, it can be unconditioned or pruned as we call it in neurocoaching. And our, our thoughts and beliefs can be rewired. So through all these practices that I've just talked about, so becoming aware, noticing, questioning, switching up our words, all that kind of stuff, we often discover that we are not what we assumed and were taught to believe we are untrustworthy, unreliable, degenerate, lazy lumps who need to should their way to do anything. And when we stop telling ourselves that we should be good, it turns out, much to our surprise, that we actually are good. In fact, and I've said this before, but at birth, we resonate solely with the vibration of love. Our fundamental energetic resonance is love. Our natural instinct is to be compassionate and kind. People are fundamentally good. And it seems counterintuitive, but when we stop trying to should ourselves into being good and instead allow our inherent goodness to lead us into action, we, as a result, end up feeling nourished and full Goodness that emanates from alignment feels radically different and better than goodness that comes from should. With the shoulds cleared out of the way, we're better able to identify what it is we actually truly want. Sometimes people discover that they genuinely want things that they never could have imagined wanting, like they actually want to jog or eat more healthily, eat vegetables, um, dance, 
journal, become a coach, learn to play the cello, an enlightening discovery to realize that left with options open, we're not someone who wants to lie on the couch and eat bonbons all day. We actually want to be active and healthy and helpful and generous and kind and compassionate. The act of suspending should and giving want or desire a chance to reveal itself allows us to meet our true selves. And when we are aware of the thoughts and beliefs driving our actions, we can decide how we want to live and climb out from under the steaming pile of should that we've been buried under for so long. So to recap, should you be interested This is another use of the word should to mean if, and it does not generally elicit feelings of guilt and shame. In shaking the should monkeys off your back, (laughs) number one, notice. So be aware of how often you are shoulding yourself throughout the day. Notice how it feels when you should on yourself. And then get curious about should. Where does it come from? Whose is it? Does it align with what you want or desire? Get honest and clear. And then get specific with your language. If should was a word that did not exist, what would you use instead? Not ought to, not have to, not supposed to, not must. But what other words would you use instead of should? And then you can prioritize. When two shoulds that you want to do conflict with each other, ask yourself which is more important, which is more aligned with what you want now and in the future, which will benefit you most now and in the future, etc. Uncovering and exposing your automated shoulds, digging into them and consciously choosing which you want to keep and which are not serving you is how you become the conscious creator of your life the boss of your brain, the author of your story, and the thinker of your thoughts. You've been listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nickerak. Until next time, untangle yourself from the web of self-imposed obligations by getting clear and honest about what you want and stop shooting all over yourself. Bye for now.